Thank you guys for being here uh, this Resurrection Sunday. And uh, I always love this day, uh, not because it is more important than any other Sunday that we gather, uh, just to clarify that, um, but there is a, definitely a, a sweetness um, in the air, and uh, it's, it's the time. I know that, yes, this is a tie. Uh, I own a couple, and uh, this day, I expected my mom. She's sick. She was supposed to be here today, and so that's why I had to do this. So uh, I wish she'd let me know she wasn't going to be able to because I wouldn't have. Um, but uh, we are glad to be here. Uh, to celebrate on this Lord's Day, as we do every Lord's Day, the resurrection of Jesus. This passage that was just read to you was said to his disciples, this is believed to be as far as what we have written down, the third time that Jesus told his closest of followers that he was going to die but that he was going to be resurrected. And as we learned last week, as Pastor Justin preached on Palm Sunday, that even up until that moment, and probably even up until the moment where Jesus is actually hanging upon the cross, they believed that there could be no way that this was happening to their misinterpretation of what they believed that the king of the Jews and ultimately the king of humanity was really all about. See, before Jesus is placed upon a Roman claw, cross, he tells his closest followers, hey, you know, we're, we're going to Jerusalem. And I, I want you to know you're, you're expecting me to take a throne, an earthly throne. You're, you're expecting me to, to go and march into Jerusalem and, and set up an earthly Jewish kingdom. But I want you to know I'm, I'm going to Jerusalem. I'm going to be turned over. I'm going to be flogged. I'm going to be killed. But on the, the third day, I, I want you to know, brothers, I want you to know, sisters, on, on that third day, I will rise again. Man, what a scandalous statement this morning, brothers and sisters. What an insane, arrogant statement. I mean, if I was to tell you that this week, that by Wednesday, I was going to be going to trial, be turned over, going to trial, will be crucified at, at Fountain Square Park. But by Friday, I would rise again. You would, you would lock me up as being clinically insane. And yet, this is the statement that Jesus makes over and over and over and over again. It is scandalous. It is insane. It is arrogant unless you are God. Unless you're God. Because see, brothers and sisters, that's what we and the lost world must contend with is the realization that Jesus is not a good teacher unless this teacher is God. 
that Jesus is not just another man who died for a noble cause, because there have been many of those men and women. The difference is, is that if this man is God, if he is God in the flesh, then the making of these claims and then making good on them changes everything. See, this morning, church, I am a follower of Jesus. I believe that Jesus is who he claims to be. I believe that Jesus is God. I believe that Jesus truly said and knew his mission and was committed to that mission at all costs. I will go, I will be born, I will live, I will die, I will be placed into a borrowed tomb, but on the third day, I will rise again to save my people. Brothers and sisters, friends, Jesus is alive. It's all about Jesus. Everything is about Jesus. This world, this earth, our existence is for him. It is through him. It is by him. We gather in this place today celebrating the spotless lamb of God, the perfect one, the prince of peace, the Lord of lords, the king of kings. We must understand if Jesus is dead, then Christianity is dead. The scripture would tell us that we, are, we should be the most pitied of people on the planet. Brothers and sisters, many of us, and this is not to in any way lessen the wrath of God that Jesus drank upon a cross, but we are not believers in Jesus who hold a crucifix with him still on it. We are a people who are centered in, in believing what separates us from all other works of religiosity is that our God, our King, is not dead. Because if he is, so is Christianity. The absolute truth that threads through the history of humanity if there has ever, ever been anything that is true in this world, it is this. And that is that Jesus is the Son of God. That Jesus did live a perfect life. That Jesus died the death that we deserve. That he was buried in our tomb. And yet, in his glory, in his majesty, in his power, in his sovereignty, in his providence, with all the authority that is authority in and of itself. His flesh began to twitch. That heart began to pump again. Blood began to flow. Jesus had not passed out in the tomb. It wasn't Jesus' twin brother in that tomb. It was Jesus, and that heart began to beat, and those lungs began to, to fill up with air. That brain, those electrons and neurons, all those things began to fire once again. And in his glory, through the power of God, he burst forth from death into life. So why? So that God could be glorified. 
And so that you and I may once again be reconciled to God once and for all ways. Today we come to worship Jesus, to celebrate Jesus, and to to look at, at one of many of the accomplishments of the cross and the resurrection. But to understand the importance of this day, we must understand who he is, who we are, and in spite of us, what he does. The first thing that we must be clear on is this, is that we are dead. We see this in the book of Genesis when when God states over and over and over and over again that it is good, but if you eat, you shall surely die. And what did our first parents do? They ate. And before you and I get arrogant, let's just make sure that it's clear. If it was Eric and Laura in that garden, we would have ate too. Bakers don't miss many meals. And we don't like to be told what we cannot do because we like to do those things. But if it wasn't Eric and Lauren, if it was your name in that garden, brothers and sisters, you would have ate that day as well. You would have ate your full believing that you could be like God, that you could be the God of your own kingdom and domain. We get lost in this because of the familiar. This was simply not just a bad day. It was the worst event in human history. This is not some symbolism. This is real. It really happened. Death. Spiritual death. And you will never understand, I will never understand the depths of the gospel until we understand the depths of our sinful death. We see in Romans chapter 5 verse 12, Therefore just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because what? All have sinned in Romans, excuse me, in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 1, and you were dead in your trespasses and sins. Romans 6.23, for the wage, the payment of this sin is what it is, death. Have you ever been to a funeral? If you haven't, you will one day, and you'll be the guy, the gal in the box. It's the only stat we can all truly believe. You and I are going to die. And it is a horrific Moment. It is a stinging moment at the realization of not just your body breaking down because of cancer or a heart attack, but, but the greater picture here that this is all caused because of something that changed in the cosmos when you and I participated in sin. It is not merely a slapping of the wrist. It is the wrath of God that is pouring out upon you and I, and we are getting what we deserve. What is the fruit of this death? What do we see throughout the scripture? What do we see when we look at the news? We see these things that because of this spiritual, eternal separation between you and I and our most holy God, we see that man's relationship with creation dies How do we know this? Have you ever tried to start a weed eater? 
That'll make a pastor cuss. It'll say quick start on it, doesn't it? You buy the expensive one. I'm not talking about the yellow and the green one from Walmart. They got a big, long, 100-foot cord like my daddy used to have. You just have to beat that thing to death. All right? Never saw my dad speak in tongues except for when he was weeding. You ever tried to plant grass? You ever tried to have a garden? Have you ever tried to put together furniture from Ikea? Yes. Man's relationship with creation is what? It is dead. It is broken by the sweat of our brow. What was once easy in the garden now causes pain and suffering, frustration and anger. Guys, I don't know if the planet's getting hotter or warmer. Chris Allen says that's a joke. That's made up. So I believe Chris Allen. (laughs) But here's what we do know. That the earth is broken and it is groaning for the day that the sons and daughters come and are revealed to God. Man's relationship with others die, does it not? I mean, from the time you're in kindergarten, you're sending letters. Do you like me, yes or no? Check the box. Please don't make up a maybe box. Some of your closest friends, some of your closest allies in life are now estranged to you. People whom you never thought you would be separated from are now, you are separated from them. The best of friends go separate ways. The best of of marriages end in divorce. The brokenness of a a strange kid who has gone the wayward. And some of you in this room, you know, parents, what that feels like. Man's relationship with others dies. Man's relationship with himself dies. We don't even know who we are anymore. We live in a culture that is medicated, and I'm I'm not here opposed to medication, okay? We are constantly trying to medicate ourselves with legal drugs and illegal drugs. Everything from what you can get from, from a pharmacist to what you can get in a back alley. Our minds are are wayward, are they not? Am I the only one whose biggest enemy rests between his or hers ears? We, We have a lost mind. We are the most distracted people on the planet. We are seeking identity. We buy things believing, man, if I just own this, if I drink this, if I drive this, if I live in this, I'm not barely buying an object, but I am buying a way of existence and of life only to get it and only realize it was never you. Our relationship with ourselves has died. I mean, we live in a state where gender is confused. 
But before we go harping on our friends who are wrestling with their gender confusion, many of us are wrestling in a very similar place. Maybe not with our gender, but who we are. Who we are. In this death, the most important relationship that dies is your relationship with God. And we live in a culture that encourages you to, to work back that relationship, to earn it in some way. That even by reading your Bible, that God is somehow impressed with you on that day. That if we get up early enough and we pray enough, that in some way that, that God is going to overlook our past, present, and future sins. And, and yet, we see in this relationship that is ultimately broken, that again, there is no way for you and I to, to, to cross that great chasm. You're dead. I'm dead in my sin. You know what the hardest thing about earthly relational death? What do we grieve? We don't have any more time with that person. That's the hardest part about it. Is how many times do you, do you wish, I'll pull out the preacher funeral, you wish you had one more hug. One more kiss. You got to hear their, their, the, one of the, the hardest things about a funeral is that you and I forget even the tone and the timbre of those people's voices. We forget them. And so you and I are with God in our sin. There is death there. And I've never seen a person in a casket make any sort of decision. Why? Because they are dead. Brothers and sisters, death is coming. Death is sudden. Death is surprising. Death is inevitable. Death is tragic. Death is a consequence of sin. Death is a tool of Satan. Death is multifaceted, and yet death is eternal. But church, there is good news in all of this death talk today. There is good news, church, for those of us that are in Christ Jesus our Lord, and that is this, and that death is dead. That death is is dead. In 2 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 50 through 57, I tell you this, brothers, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, we, but we should all be changed in the moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall be changed from this perishable body might put on the imperishable, and the mortal may put on immortality. When the perishable puts on the imperishable and the mortal puts on the immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Death is, 
is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God. Thanks be to God who gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. It does not say victory through you. It says victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Death is swallowed up, brothers and sisters. It is, it is no more. If I was to show you a vial of, of, of red dye and I was to say, where is the red dye in my hand? And you could all easily point that out. But if I was to open up that red dye and pour it out in the middle of the ocean and say, where is that red dye? You wouldn't be able to find it. Why? Because the victory of life, the resurrection of Jesus, again, has swallowed up those dead relationships with creation, the dead relationship with others, the dead relationship with yourself, and the dead relationship with God, that in Jesus, when he died and when he was resurrected, he completely, ultimately killed and crucified death itself so that you and I, I truly believe that our last breath on this earth is our first breath in heaven. He loves us that much. His glory is that much. Jesus was so dedicated to the mission and vision of God to redeem his bride that he was willing to do whatever it took, even die. And yet he did not stay dead. Jesus is alive. In the resurrection of Jesus, Jesus defeats sin, Satan, and death. In Romans chapter 6, verse 9, we know that Christ being raised from the dead will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. And brothers and sisters, as heirs in Christ, if it has no dominion over him, it has no dominion over us. Zero. None. No death. No death. But let us understand this. Even if your relationship with the earth was better, even if your relationship with others was, was good, even if your relationship with yourself is healthy, and you had all of those things, but your relationship with God is dead, then guess what? You're dead. It's the latter that brings forth birth. In the others. Brothers and sisters, this is good news. This is good news, church. Death is defeated. To God, death is dumb. Death is, is no more. Death is done. Death is dead. And what does that mean for you and I who are in Christ? That means that you and I can live extremely dangerous lives for the sake of the gospel because Jesus defeated our curse by becoming it on the cross and then by defeating it in the resurrection. 
And so when brothers and sisters, when you wake up on an Easter Sunday morning to news reports of churches and brothers and sisters throughout the world being killed on Resurrection Sunday, and though we are tempted to mourn, and we should, we are simultaneously can rejoice in the celebration that death and the grave could not hold them because the Jesus that they serve and they live for could not hold them as well in that tomb, but he came bursting forth from it. And so we can boldly proclaim whether persecution comes, whether fathom comes, whether jail time, imprisonment, whatever it is, if we truly believe that Jesus was dead, that Jesus is alive, then you and I can live radically dangerous lives for the sake of the gospel. And the only reason why we don't is because we don't really believe the gospel. But I'm going to refrain from preaching that sermon today. Because Jesus died, because Jesus is resurrected, then we know that and can trust that when a God-man says, I'm coming back, guess what he's going to do? He's going to come back. This Jesus is coming back. In Isaiah chapter 25, verse 8, get this. Let this be sweet to you. In Isaiah chapter 25, verse 8, he will swallow up death forever. And the Lord God will wipe away tears from all faces. And the reproach of his people he will take away from all the earth. For the Lord has spoken. Or in Acts chapter 2, verse 22 through 24. Remember, this is where, where Peter, as of right now, is, he's been shaking in his boots for about 48 hours. And he doesn't even believe the witness of his sisters as he's running toward the tomb. And in about 40-something days, this, this coward of a man, this betrayer of the Lord, is going to stand up before the masses and proclaim this, men of Israel, hear these words, Jesus of Nazareth. A man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst as you yourselves know. This Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God. You crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. God raised him up, loosening the pains of death because it was not impossible it was not possible, excuse me, it was not possible for him to be held by it. On the day of the cross, there's a celebration amongst Satan and the demons themselves. They believe that they have won even on the earthly realms of things. There's a celebration among the Romans. There's a celebration amongst the Jewish people as they are believing that this blasphemer, this, this earthly king had been completely defeated and yet the grave could not hold him. In John 11, John 11, 25 through 26, Jesus said to her, I'm the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall 
he live? How can he say that? Because he proved it. I die, I'm going to die. But I'm going to raise from the dead. And if Jesus is raised, as it continues on, and everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Oh, the importance and the magnitude of us being in Christ. In Revelation 1.18, fear not. I am the first and the last and the living one. I died and behold, I am alive forevermore. I have the keys of death in Hades. Oh, church. I long to see this Jesus. I long to see the resurrected one. I long to see the one who, who lived the life that we could not live. The one who died the death that you and I deserve to die. The one who conquered the enemy that you and I could not conquer. I long to see this Jesus because when this Jesus comes back again, listen to what he's going to do. Guess what he's going to do? He's going to resurrect our broken relationship with creation. I don't believe that heaven is going to be an eternal vacation. I believe that heaven is going to be a place where we live, work, and enjoy the glory of God without labor. But it doesn't mean that it's without work. It becomes easy. It becomes joy-filled. Instead, instead of begrudgingly, I know what some of you guys are going to do. About 9 o'clock tonight, you're going to be a terrible person to be around. Why? Because you've got to get up and go to work tomorrow. And yet the cause of Christ is that one day for all of eternity that we will get to labor and work and, and, and enjoy all the things that God has created inside the new heaven and the new earth. He is going to resurrect a dead relationship with creation. How long for that day? He is going to resurrect, resurrect man's relationship with others. Do you see the beauty of that? What does the Bible tell us about us and our relationship with God? That we were once his enemies. And yet, for those of us who are in Christ, what does he do? He changes us from his enemies to his children. Right? Likewise, many of us on this earth, we have dead relationships with other people. And yet we need to see in the witness of Christ, in the illustration that we were once his enemies and, and now are reconciled as his children. Do you understand the depths of what Jesus is going to resurrect? Some of you have terribly broken relationships with other humans on this planet. But if they are in Christ and you are in Christ, he is going to resurrect that deadness. 
and make you brothers and sisters. See, there's a truer and better relationship on this earth other than husband and wife. It is brother and it is sister. I mean, do you understand the magnitude of that? People you cannot stand, let's just be honest. Most of them drive up and down Scottsville Road every day. They're, they're, they're in maybe even your own bed or, or a bed down the, the hallway or they're an estranged parent or sibling or a boss. May we pray that, that Jesus, I mean, the, the very terrorists that, that many as Americans hate, if they come to Jesus, will go from being your enemy to your brother and to your sister. Do we understand the magnitude of that kind of resurrection? He will resurrect man's relationship with himself. We get, a, as the Bible would tell us, a, a new mind. We get a new body. Aren't you excited about that? A new body. A new mind. The things that weigh on your minds, brothers and sisters. The anxieties, the pains, the depressions, the, the wanderings, the, the just tired of existing. All of that will be wiped away. Believers like Cash will speak. Those parents with dementia will remember your name. Those cancers will be gone. Those debilitating diseases will be removed. As God resurrects man's relationship with himself. But ultimately, brothers and sisters, all of that seems really, really good. And if you grew up in church, we sing a lot of church songs about those things. Right? In Kentucky, every time there's a funeral, an angel enters heaven. There's a, all these songs, and we can get really hyped up about those resurrection moments. And, and, and please hear me, there are many of those things we should get excited today that we're going to be resurrected in our relationship with creation, that we're going to be resurrected in, in our dead relationships with others, that we're going to be resurrected in, in our relationship with ourselves. But again, even if we have all of those things, the most important thing is this, is that God is going to resurrect his relationship with us. Again, the ultimate gift of heaven is not you seeing loved ones. It is not a mansion. It is not streets of gold. The ultimate gift is we get God. And like Adam before sin, we get to walk with him, speak with him, talk with him, live with him. We will never get bored. Can I get an Amen. Never, but daily, every moment by moment, it, it, will, it will be like the, the, an infinite number of the most beautiful sunrises and sunsets. 
That, that moment when, when your bride walked down that aisle, when you saw that, that kid of yours born, when you saw miracles after miracle after miracle after miracle, all of those things will not compare to you and I seeing our God, seeing Jesus seeing the power, seeing our faith made right, seeing our faith have eyes and ears. And can we just imagine for a moment the worship gathering on that day as, as people who have been completely dead in their sins have been resurrected in the resurrection of Jesus into the point to where we lay down everything that we deem valuable on this planet and we lay it at his feet and sing holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, worthy is the Lamb who was slain but who's risen. See, King Jesus is going to resurrect everything that is good and holy and right. Jesus is alive. And so if you are here today and you do not have a relationship with Jesus, you need to know this Jesus. Because if you don't know this, Jesus, you're going to get everything that you deserve. I'm not asking about your, your churchianity. I'm saying, have you reconciled the realness of this king? The authority of this king? If you don't have a relationship with Jesus, you need to understand the depths of your wickedness. You need to ask him to reveal those things to you today. Because let, let me get to the, like, here's the thing, is we're really inauthentic as, pe as people. And yet we're our, our culture who is searching for authenticity, aren't we? There is one who knows everything about you. You are fully known, not by any else, anybody in this room. But you are fully known by one, and his name is God. All right? He fully, I mean, do you understand the weightiness of what I just said? Like that brother knows everything about you. Every thought, every deed, every emotion, every affection of your heart. From before you were born all the way to eternity, he knows you are fully known. And yet, fully known, you are able to be fully saved. Fully known. If I fully knew you, we would all treat each other really differently. How could he think that? How could she think that? How could he do that? How could she do that? Ooh, they're gross. And yet the God of the universe, the king of all kings, the one who is the slam God himself, who is resurrected, who came bursting forth, he knitted you together. He fully knows every hair that is on your head. And yet fully known becomes fully saved in Jesus. Fully. If you don't know this Jesus, you need to know this Jesus. And if you're a believer in this room, 
my application for us is that we start living like Jesus is alive. And we stop looking for a dead Savior in a cemetery because he is not there. Cemeteries look a lot like church buildings right now. They're just big tombs for people to go and die. And because everybody in there is dead, it looks normal and it looks right. And so may the resurrection of Jesus permeate within us a deep longing. Not as dead people. But as living people. Church, let's start living like Jesus is alive. Let's start living. The resurrection of Jesus Christ, whether you look at him as a historical figure, because he is, or if you look at him like he is God, because he is, demands a response of you and I today. And our prayer is that you would humbly respond to the realization that he is God and that you are not. And that if you're not God and he is, then every moment, every second of our lives, we should be seeking to bring glory and honor to him, the one who has gifted us life, though we did not deserve it. Brothers and sisters, he is alive. He is alive. Come to him. Come to him in all of your deadness. Because he resurrects deadness. Let's pray.